Just give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. If you hear something that you like and you want to communicate with us, we love hearing from you. So follow me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen or HH Talk Radio, and even tweet at us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Alrighty then, let's get to it. Today we are talking, as we do from time to time on our happiness show here, about trauma, about adversity, about challenges about post-traumatic stress, and how we can help heal ourselves, how we can help heal one another. And my first guest has been doing this for over 40 years. Dr. Richard Miller has dedicated his life to the prevention and alleviation of suffering and to helping people awaken to their essential wholeness and well-being. He's the founding president of the Integrative Restoration Institute and co-founder of the International Association of Yoga Therapy. Dr. Miller is regarded as a leader in the field of meditation, yoga therapy, and mental health. He's a respected author, scholar, and speaker. Dr. Miller leads workshops, trainings, and retreats internationally. Welcome, Dr. Miller. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for bringing me on. Oh, uh, well, this is, this is a pleasure. I've actually heard of you and your work for many years, and it's a great honor to have you here with us today to talk about iris and yoga nidra and how these two applications work to help us heal from trauma yes absolutely so for those who are not in the know please describe briefly what iris is and what yoga nidra is and how we can utilize them and why they work in the healing process sure iris or Integrative restoration is a modern-day secular application of a very ancient meditative protocol called Yoga Nidra, which I've traced back 4,500 B.C. and beyond. It's very ancient, um, well-developed, and, and nicely structured. In 2003, I was invited by the United States military to come in and do research using the protocol with active duty wounded warriors who were coming back from the war front with chronic and clinical post-traumatic stress disorder. When I went to them to do the research, they said, you know, we're military, we're soldiers, we don't do yoga. So could you come up with a different name for this technique? So 
back then, and I've been doing this since 1970, uh, I was calling it Yoga Nidra in the tradition. So I came up uh, after thinking hard and long with a new name, Integrative Restoration, because what I saw was the approach of meditation, Yoga Nidra, helps uh, restore us to our basic psychological healthy sense of well-being and functioning where we're friends with our emotions, our thoughts, our, our body sensations, all the different functionings including our sense of ego and self. And um, so that, that had the integrative function. The restoration was the aspect of essentially bringing us to this very core sense of well-being that we have within ourself. And back then, everything was iPod and iPhone and I this and I that. So I thought, why not the cute acronym of iREST, where it's taking our sense of ego or our sense of self, which sometimes is more prominent than is sometimes healthy, and kind of helps it rest back and restoration for the term restoration. The military actually loved this. They said, while we might not do yoga, we can do integrative restoration. So I started the research <laughs> study, and at the end of the study, we were so successful, they hired my teacher right on the spot, Robin Carnes, to start teaching this as an ongoing protocol built right into their deployment health clinical center. So every wounded warrior coming back had access to the program. But what was funny is they came back to me a few months later and they said, you know, we really like this integrative restoration in the IRS program meditation. And so you're welcome to call it Yoga Nidra now. So we call it integrative restoration, IREST, Yoga Nidra. And primarily we're keeping the, the more secular modern day name because we're doing so much research. We've done over 20 research projects to date on different aspects of using the program from anxiety and post-traumatic stress to chronic pain to sleep issues to people going through cancer and uh, uh, chronic illness treatment programs. So we've kept the name and a lot of times we drop out Yoga Nidra because people when they think of yoga they think more of the exercise where we're more on the meditation uh, part of the spectrum with, with the teachings of yoga. And so just I, so your audience knows, I just want to ask one question just to clarify. So, I rest is more of a meditative, um, restful practice than it is a physical yoga. Correct. So, when we're teaching it, people are often lying down in a very comfortable position with their eyes closed, or they may be sitting in a chair. Um, we also have people standing up and at my trainings they're even walking around the room so they're learning how to integrate it into every kind of position they might find themselves during their life lying down sitting or walking and actually when we were working with some of the wounded warriors we actually had mattresses against the walls so they could lean back because of their injuries they couldn't lie down so it's not an exercise program per se. It's more about learning meditation and inquiry processes to help us become friends with ourself, our body, our senses, our mind, our emotions. And as you were introducing the show today, bringing forward that sustainable sense of happiness and well-being that's in all of us, but sometimes we've lost touch with it and the IRS program is really designed to bring that fully foreground into people's lives. This is a beautiful gift to wounded warriors, to anybody who has uh, undergone adversity and challenges. Um, in, in my private practice, I work a lot with, with, with warriors in, through my nonprofit and in the private practice, but also with uh, addiction. And um, meditation from what I have witnessed in, in, in watching people be trained and how it's affected their lives, I know this to be a extremely useful and successful tool for recovery. Yeah, and one of the things I'd love to comment on is the actual name Yoga Nidra. Yoga, the way that I'm utilizing it, means to be deeply connected with ourself and the world around us. 
And we know when people go through trauma or difficult life circumstances, they can be so challenging, we lose connection with ourself or the world around us. So the practices of yoga and meditation are designed to help us reconnect to ourself and the world. Nidra is an interesting Sanskrit word that actually means sleep, but it pertains to a changing state of consciousness. So that could be sleep or it could be waking consciousness. It could be an emotion like sadness, happiness, anger. It could be a body sensation or a thought that we're having. So yoga nidra means to remain connected with ourself and vitally uh, connected to the world around us, no matter the state of mind or body that we're experiencing. So we could be going through a very difficult, challenging life circumstance, but through the teachings of iRest, we learn how to remain connected to ourself, listening to the different, I call the messengers, our emotions, our thoughts, and, and being able to be proactively engaged uh, in the world in, with this sense of an underlying sense of well-being. And what I also think happens in this state, uh, this meditative state, as we can begin to feel some of the self-betrayal, the moral injury, the judgments that we hold against ourselves and others. And um, this is what the practice teaches us. Yeah, and as you're speaking, when we sustain a moral injury, when we do something that goes against our deep underlying sense of self or our sense of humanness, or when we sustain a, a deep trauma, that sense of disconnection that can happen, and we lose touch with how to respond into the world in a way that feels right again. And so uh, the practices that I'm teaching, uh, while we may learn them lying down or sitting, I'm trying to show people how to utilize them into their life in their relationships with their spouse, their children, their work relationships. So it's a meditation that we carry into our life across all of our interactions. I, I think that's vitally important because some people I think have the image of meditation. We're sitting cross-legged on a chair or the floor and we're saying, Om. but in fact, <laughs> the way that, you forgot right, that the way part. <laughs> we're teaching it is how to really proactively be in the world with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to just jump in here and ask a question or, or mm-hmm. ask for a clarification between the IRES program for healing PTS or PTSD versus the generalized IRES Yoga Nidra programs. Do they differ? Do the protocols change or are they the same? It's a great question. In our research, and we've done research with uh, youth and adults, We've done research with adults and youth who are going through difficult challenges like PTSD or traumatic brain injury or cancer or um, anxiety, sleep depression. And we've done uh, studies with adults who are just wanting to enhance their overall sense of well-being. In those studies, we've given them all the same protocol because we wanted to see what populations does our protocol work with and and which populations doesn't it. And to date, what we see is the general protocol works across the board. So we can give anybody the general same protocol and we know we're going to get uh, quite a change or a transformation, a healing. That said... When I'm training teachers or training people individually, it's always being tailored to the individual. What, who are they? What's their age? What's the issue that they're facing? So we start to um, adapt the protocol to the person. So we're not trying to take the person and adapt them to the protocol. We are taking the protocol and adapting it to the lifestyle, the circumstances of the person. Perfect. Now I I understand uh, we're going to need to go to a break. And when we come back, we'll carry on the conversation with Dr. Richard Miller. To learn more, please visit www.irs.usa. On Twitter, the handle is at IRI underscore IRS. We'll be right back. 
Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on t-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress Cayman has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life, available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Love is in the air, in the whisper of the tree. Welcome back to Harvest and Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this podcast and share it with those that you care about, especially those who may be challenged by post-traumatic stress from war, for instance, or extreme adversity, some catastrophic event that one might be going through, or even challenged by a health issue. With me in the studio is Dr. Richard Miller. He is the founding president of the Integrated Restoration Institute and co-founder of the International Association of Yoga Therapy. And Dr. Miller and I are talking about IRS and Yoga Nidra. Before the break, we spoke a little bit about IRS and how it was developed to serve uh, military servicemen and women who are returning home from the war zone and how it affects uh, those who are suffering from post-traumatic stress to help heal themselves. Dr. Miller, someone who is going through post-traumatic stress therapy, how might they incorporate this in their, in their healing practices and how would they obtain the information um, to do so? We uh, offer a program, the IRS program is a 10-step protocol that we teach to people with post-traumatic stress or whatever issue they're coming with us. could be a sleep uh, issue could be with anxiety or just to increase our sense of overall well-being. But we have a 10-step protocol. So we work with the person to tailor the protocol to them, teaching them skills like helping them develop their intention, learning uh, stress reduction techniques like body sensing and breathing, helping them learn how to work with their emotions and their thoughts, the memories that might be associated with their trauma or PTSD. And so we have different uh, traditional, we might say, researched aspects that are built into this very ancient meditation protocol, cognitive, emotional, uh, sensorial skills that we're teaching a person. And we do it, um, I would say, along a continuum. So rather than uh, bringing someone right into the protocol will ease them in gently because the last thing we want to do is have a person re-traumatize as a result of going too fast into their memories or their trauma. So we teach them how to go in gradually along a continuum so they're learning how to work with their emotions uh, because there may be emotions of rage or sadness or anger or irrit- irritability. So we're teaching them how to be with those and how to respond to them as messengers that are helping them see the right action they need to take into the world. Same thing with their thoughts. So it's always a question in a way of tailoring the program one-to-one, the teacher and the student. That said, we have programs that they can access either through my book or online through my institute where they can begin to apply the approach themselves and we try to again break it down very slowly step by step by step so a person can go at their own speed that's very very vitally important 
I would agree. Extremely important that they be able to go at their own speed. And how do you uh, work with people who are skeptical, for instance? I know that when I uh, get a group of wounded warriors uh, that come to work with me because I am not uh, a veteran, I've never been deployed, uh, they say, well, you know, what can you teach me about healing from my war experience? And I believe that the skepticism is very, very healthy. And how do you help assuage that skepticism and that doubt and prove that the program um, can be trusted as long as they're willing to at least try. The thing I want to quickly, as quickly as possible is give them a taste of the protocol in a very simplified version so that they can take a test drive for themselves within 10 minutes. They can very quickly assess how this is going to be helpful for them. And one of the things that I try to do right at the very start, because a lot of healing programs are addressing what's wrong, what I try to do as quickly as I possibly can is show them what's right about themselves, what hasn't been harmed, doesn't need fixing or changing, and what's their basic well-being that's never been harmed or hurt, and bring, bring that out to the surface. So as one veteran said, IRS shows me what's right about me, not what's wrong about me, but helps me address what may be needing to be fixed. So I, I think the, the best answer I can say is I want to give them a test drive as quickly as I can, and then from there we can talk about the protocol. And to date, I, say, I would say it's tremendously rare to encounter someone who then doesn't want to continue on with the with the program because they see the immediacy of the effect. Makes makes perfect sense, and I love what you just said about um, recognizing what's what's right. And I think that one thing unilaterally I can say about all the veterans that I've met is the hardiness and resilience and courage, of course, that um, uh, goes along with what going to war is what also helps keep them alive. And if they can see that they possess more mindfulness than they believe themselves to have because they're feeling uh, wounded and bruised, I wouldn't say even broken, although they would label that. It's really an appropriate response to inappropriate stress. Absolutely. And that that issue of feeling broken or there's something wrong with me and I'm never going to get back to where I was before I went to war, what we're trying to show them very quickly is there's an aspect that was never broken, never harmed, and I we want to have them actually feel and experience that. And then from there, that forms the ground, the foundation. We call it the inner resource from which now we can address the things that do feel broken, do need uh, fixing or changing. And we keep interweaving that inner resource throughout our entire protocol at each step of the way, pointing out what's already okay, even as we're addressing something that needs to be changed or addressed or fixed. It sounds very nurturing, supportive, kind, loving, compassionate, empathic, which is what we all need when we are healing from something that is challenging. Um, if, I, if I may just give one thing, you know, often I've gone to a VA and I've given a, a talk to the staff and then I give an IREST to the participants, the vets themselves. And one of the um, reflections I often hear after they've gone through their first IREST is one of two things. One, I feel like I just came home. And the other is a report I get the next day, which is, I feel like I got my first night's full sleep. I believe it. I know that uh, the meditation process is very powerful, very regenerative, um, and very soothing at the same time. Um, a couple more questions here. The first one is, you wrote a book, Healing PTSD, I believe is, is the IRS for Healing PTSD. The IRS Program for Healing Post-Traumatic Stress Disorder, yes. Okay. And um, one can use this book, this workbook, and the accompanying meditations by themselves, or do they need to be working with a medical or IRS professional? 
The book is designed initially to be an introduction and a self-help. So within the book, I break all the 10 steps down with many uh, guided meditation scripts that are in the book. And then for those who might want to download them as actual guided practices, we have those on our website. People can go there and download the practices into their iPhone or iPad and listen to them themselves. So the book is designed for anyone to begin to access it. That said, to find a teacher, and we've got teachers spread out all over the world that we've trained, to have a one-to-one contact either in person or our teachers uh, actually teach over Skype and by phone, I think is really helpful to have a guide or a mentor who's been there or knows the process and can explain it and help bring you through it in incremental steps. But really the book was designed uh, as a very... I would say deceptively simple um, approach so that anyone could read it, have a basic understanding, practice the different uh, practices and see for themselves very quickly the impact it's having on their life. And if someone is working with a psychotherapist or seeing a psychiatrist or psychopharmacologist, are there any contraindications to take on this training is part of the treatment? Um, That's a good question. We call it a complementary integrative practice because it complements any other therapeutic approach, whether it's psychotherapy or it's a medicinal intervention that they may be using, sleep medicine, antidepressant medicine, whatever. It complements, so it goes right along and supports. And Oftentimes, when people do our program, they find they're weaning off or decreasing their medications. Uh, we, to date, haven't found any contraindications. The, the main uh, piece, though, is that the practice is tailored to the individual so that they're going at their own speed. If they go too fast, obviously, it can, can trigger emotions and uh, re-experience memories. But if they go carefully, as they're doing that, they're learning how to integrate those experiences. So I would say, no, I haven't found any contraindications. And as a clinical psychologist, I've worked both inpatient with people who are deeply troubled, uh, all the way from the far end of schizophrenia, to people who have trauma, to people who are deeply depressed or having anxiety disorders. To date, I haven't found a contraindication. It's more how we're giving it to that individual person. Mm, makes perfect sense, actually. Um, to learn more about your workshops, your training, or specifically the classes for those who are experiencing PTS, I'm assuming they go to www.irs.us. Yes, and if they're interested in the practices, then they'd put a forward slash practices, and that would take them to the site where the book and the practices are located, www.irs.us forward slash practices. Wonderful. Well, this has been extremely informative, and I know that you are helping a lot of people from my own experience with post-traumatic stress and anything that we can do to serve those who have served us is a blessing. And um, I think just the idea of supporting one another and helping us um, strengthen ourselves is part of the the healing process and the therapy right there. Uh, I wanted to give uh, your Twitter handle once again. That's at IRI underscore IRIS. And um, we are about out of So once again, for those who are interested in learning more about IRIS and Yoga Nidra and Dr. Miller, Dr. Richard Miller and his work, please visit www.irs.us. Thank you so much, Dr. Miller. Thank you, Lisa. Lovely to be with you. Likewise. Have a good evening. Thank you.
Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Saturday afternoons on 97.5. Joy riding the coast with a global vibe, pleasing your ears and inspiring your mind. Quem mostrava esse caminho longe? Quem mostrava esse caminho longe? Esse caminho passando bem. Joy riding the coast with me, Lisa Cypress Cayman. Saturdays 2 to 5 on 97.5. KBU and RadioMalibu.net. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about um, veterans and how we can help our returning veterans get the support that they need when they are dealing with some of the invisible wounds of war, when um, there's an emotional toll on the veteran and his or her family member. And in the studio today is Lee Klinger Lesser. She has developed and led retreats for veterans since 2008, integrating her experience of mindfulness and meditation into accessible programming for veterans. She is the co-founder and executive director of Honoring the Path of the Warrior, a nonprofit program that provides a safe environment for veterans to rediscover meaning, purpose, and joy in their lives through mindfulness, meditation, and community. Lee Klinger-Lesser has been leading workshops in the mindfulness practice arena uh, and sensory awareness since 1976, both in English and Spanish throughout the United States, Canada, Mexico, and Spain. She studied and co-taught with Charlotte Selver, the founder of Sensory Awareness in the United States and a pioneer in the human potential movement. Lee has practiced Zen since 1978. She is also a national trainer on early childhood education, emotional intelligence, family support, diversity, and equity. Good morning, Lee. Thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Ah, it's, well, it's great to have you here because we're talking about something that is extremely important and very near and dear to our hearts here at Harvesting Happiness and Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, and that is serving those who have served us uh, in the military. And when these men and women return home from service, oftentimes they are not able to access some of the support services that they need for their emotional, spiritual, and psychological well-being. I think that's really true, and I think it's it's um, you know this one of the challenges is the kind of incredible isolation of so many veterans and their families. You know, there's one percent of people serving in the military. So for civilians, those of us who aren't touched by what's really happening and the impact on the young men and women that we are sending into combat, it's very easy to not recognize the incredible toll it's taking on people. And also when you go through experiences that are, you know, people talk about moral injury, you go through experiences that are kind of against your own uh, fiber. Um, And then you come back and you have no way to even face it for yourself or let alone talk about it to others. And often, you know, so many veterans have told me civilians come up to them and say, so did you kill anybody? Tell me the worst, worst thing you saw. And this happens over and over again. And people are unconscious and wanting to see kind of as though this is some kind of movie. And it's not a movie. This is something that people are left with as an incredible load to carry. 
Indeed. Indeed, it's not a movie. And I love that you brought up um, moral injury because this is something that is not generally talked about um, in traditional modalities of healing post-traumatic stress. And yet this is the very crux of what many of these young men and women are dealing with. Yeah, it is. And and I've been so moved by the young men and women that I've had the opportunity and the privilege to meet and to work with. And I, 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 when I first started honoring the path of the warrior, I had had no military experience. My, my father had been in the military. My uncles had been in the military during world war two, but they never spoke about it. And in my current life, my world is very insulated. And so I, I didn't know anything about what people are experiencing and, the people that I've met have such a profound commitment to service and are, want so much to be of service. And yet, when you've experienced things that you can't help but experience in the midst of war, you know, unthinkable things that you've either been asked to do or to witness, and then how, do you, how the challenge of how you can face that and how you live with that is very, very difficult. And... and and there's no, there's no ground and safe ground for people to talk about it, to feel like this is, you know, anything except to feel like this is yours alone to carry, which it's not. This is a responsibility that we all have. This is actually a moral injury to all of us who have put people in these situations. And so this is deep work for people to be able to find security and ground, to have a safe place, to touch things that are pretty untouchable. And I would add that it's also a moral responsibility of our country and our citizens to you know create services like this and organizations that support um the healing and this is what you have done with your co-founder chris fortin when uh how did you guys get together and and what made you decide to start the organization honoring the path of the warrior um, you know i just i just want to say how much I, I agree with you that this is a moral responsibility. And it actually even brings me to tears to know the weight that people are being left with. Yeah. And how, how we started, um, Chris and I were Zen students together back in the um, late 70s. And um, we've known each other. We knew each other before we got married, before we had children. So our lives have been connected uh, for all these years. And when we were about to go into Iraq, I was actually protesting um, in San Francisco uh, because I was hoping we weren't going to be going to war. And my daughter, who was in her 20s, early 20s at that time, was walking with me. And it was so reminiscent to me of Vietnam. Uh, I was in college during the Vietnam, high high school and college during Vietnam. And to see the amount of suffering that was caused and the amount of lives that were lost and the impact of what's happened to veterans who came back from Vietnam that was something that had a profound impact on me. And as I was walking with my daughter, I thought, you know, here's, this is a whole new generation. And now it's not my peers that are going to war, but these are my children. And, I, you know, I couldn't stop us from going to war. And I thought, well, what is it that I could do? And what would I wish for my own children if they were being sent to war? And what I would wish is that there would be a very strong, safe container for them to be able to uh, feel safe to work with whatever it was that they experienced. And also that they would have a practice, tools of practice that could help them face suffering. So that's what I would wish for my own children. And I realized that I could offer the practice of sensory awareness and mindfulness, which is the practice that sustains me in my life. And I didn't know if veterans would be interested or not, but I thought that I could offer this. And I, sp- I mentioned this to my friend, Chris, who is also, um, she's a, a Zen teacher. And she said that she had been thinking the same thing and she wanted to offer and teach meditation. And her father had been a combat veteran during World War II. He'd received the bronze medal and he lived with post-traumatic stress his whole life. And she, nobody knew it, nobody called it that, but that's, she lived with secondary post-traumatic stress. It had a huge impact on her life. And this wound goes on for generations. So we decided we were going to offer this to veterans and find out if veterans would be interested. And we started going to veteran organizations and saying, this is what we had to offer. Was it of interest? Could it be useful? 
And little by little, veterans from different organizations, from vet centers, helped, said that it would, they were interested. And then they helped us shape what we do. And so they helped us craft this in a way that's accessible and supportive to veterans. This is beautiful work. And um, you said something about the secondary trauma and how post-traumatic stress affects generations um, ahead of us. And I think that this is really, really important, especially for the civilian population that is not really aware of the impact of post-traumatic stress and what it does not only to the the one who is invisibly wounded, but to the entire family structure. It is it is pervasive. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. And there's, you know, there's a, there's a very wonderful book called Thank You for Your Service, in which the author actually followed um, a unit of veterans as they came back and really shares their stories of the struggles of coming back and the impact on people's families. Because we've changed since Vietnam and Vietnam, you know, people didn't go up to veterans and say, thank you for your service. But that's also a platitude, and that's not enough. You can't just go up to people and say, thank you for your service. And then there's so much that people have lived through. So it's a, for anybody who wants to, to understand this more, it's a very powerful, valuable book. And, and the book is Thank You for Your Service. And I want to also uh, bring up something that you, that you mentioned in, in the notes that I have here. And this is about developing military cultural competence. And I think this is really important for those that work with um, the military population. You can't just walk in cold off the street without having some sensitivity to the cultural needs of, of this group. Well, that's really true. And, and also, it's not you can't go up to veterans and say, OK, you, you're the one who has to educate me. You can ask people in a very sincere way, what is it you'd like me to know? What is it you'd like me to understand? Uh, but also the burden can't be just on veterans. So it's completely up to us to be educate ourselves. And another book that's a wonderful book is called Once a Warrior, Always a Warrior. And this is also a book that's written for veterans themselves and for family members and for providers there are, many, there are many books and there's videos and, to, and there's interviews and listening to veterans. And this is very important for us to take this responsibility because otherwise we live in these separate silos and veterans are left more and more isolated and feeling like people don't care and people don't understand. And it's very hard to share things that we haven't experienced and that are very far out of one's personal experience. So to be able to uh, work with people who've lived with so many intense experiences takes a great deal of respect, a great deal of inquiry, of deep listening, and of uh, research and education. And not just about studies and, and um, things that are putting people into boxes, but are really understanding the humanity of what people are living with. I think you've hit the nail right on the head, Lee, in that um, we're really not working with diagnostic codes. We're working with human hearts and minds. And that is the probably the most important ingredients to working with those who have served. We're going to go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to get into this more because it, this is very, very deep. And it's about uh, being an empathic listener, about space holding and, and, and inquiring, like you say, the curiosity. Um, to learn more, please visit honoringthepath.org or www.returntoourcenses.com. On Facebook, the contact is Honoring the Path, and on Twitter, Honoring the Path. Here come the tunes. We will be right back. like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress-Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center 
to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download this podcast and share it with anybody that you know that might be interested in recovery from the invisible wounds of war. And this is a very meaty topic that we cover here usually once a month. We talk about how to help those who have returned from war and his or her family members get support and get services from amazing organizations out there that are helping to uh, heal the invisible wounds of war. And with me today is Lee Klinger Lesser. She is one of the co-founders of the organization Path of the Warrior, which offers um, mindfulness-based um, uh, healing programming for those who have served. Lee, prior to the break, we were talking about moral injury and talking about um, ways to serve the military population that includes the provider uh, developing a military cultural competence, in other words, developing tools for working with this demographic. But above all else, the greatest tools and gifts we can give are of ourselves to listen and to inquire. I think, I think that's true. And I also think it's very important that anybody who is working with veterans when you're, when you're trying to hold a space for people who have been through combat, it means that we have to not be afraid of suffering and that we also have to be deeply grounded in our own practice so that there is a safe place that we can provide for people to come in touch with what they're carrying so that there's a way of witnessing and a way of holding space in which people can feel safe and feel their own humanity and know that their own humanity is honored. And that's also why we call you know, our organization is actually honoring the path of the warrior because it's about honoring the, the actually the, the humanity and the wholeness that we have as human beings and the discipline that it takes to step into difficulty. And so when we're working with, with a, a veteran who's been in combat, to be able to see their wholeness and not label them based on injury but to see their own capacity and help them recognize it and help them keep turning towards how do they take the traumas that they've lived with and the horrors that they've seen and how do they bring more humanity into the world and how can they help guide the rest of us actually to bring more humanity into the world. And I just want to say Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a Vietnamese Buddhist priest who was actually recommended for the Nobel Peace Prize by Martin Luther King, he and he lived through the Vietnam War not taking sides with either the North or the South, and his life was threatened, and he knows the consequence and price of war. He said that veterans are like you know, the light at the tip of the candle, because veterans can guide us because of their knowledge of suffering. They can guide us into recognizing the impact of war and the importance of cultivating, really deeply cultivating peace within ourselves and around us. Mm. Beautifully, beautifully shared. Uh, what is your feeling about the inherent mindfulness that of many veterans possess? You know, that, that, that when we present the concept of mindfulness to these young men and women, oftentimes they may roll their eyes because they may see it as a little bit woo-woo or airy-fairy. And yet when you point out that it is that heightened state of mindfulness and awareness that can keep one alive on the battlefield in in combat um that it then can begin to make sense 
I, I, you know, I've had several experiences that um, have been really educational for me and, and also that helped me recognize the power and impact of being able to offer practice to veterans. I mean, I think that there's all kinds of qualities of mindfulness that are needed when people are um, training for combat. And so the kind of attentiveness at, to your environment and the focus, all of that is connected to being aware and of mindful, being conscious. Uh, and there's, you know, there's been controversy of people who are actually training veterans, uh, not training, training, um, uh, active duty people in mindfulness, but wanting people to be more grounded in the decisions and choices that they're making. But I remember when I was first teaching uh, better, a group of veterans and we were working with breath, and I was asking people just to notice the space between an inhalation and an exhalation. And uh, a man said, I know that space. He said, because he, you know, he was trained when he was a, um, as a, somebody who was trained to, when you're shooting, to shoot between the inhalation and the exhalation because that's the most steady time. <laughs> so for me, it was a little stunning to see the difference of, of the context, but the ability to be aware and to cultivate that awareness to ground you in a different, in a different situation. And one of the things that also is so striking to me and what's also so moving to me is that when, when I was, when I, I lived in a Buddhist monastery, and when in the Buddhist monastery, right before the day off, we would always have a chant that we would say. And the chant was to, to heighten people's awareness. The whole practice, purpose of practice is to trust and the value of each moment, to be present in each moment, to know the actual urgency of that, because this is the only moment we have to live in. And we would have a chant, this was a long time ago when I lived there, but it was something like, you know, we should practice as though our heads were on fire, or as though we were fish in a puddle of water. And my experience with working with veterans is that, especially veterans who have been in combat, is that pe people are living with their heads on fire. The intensity of what people are asked to face and to hold, it, it's critical. And not having tools that help you know that this is the moment that you're living in and how to ground in this moment and how to trust your own goodness when you've lived with so much of the horror of what human beings can do to each other. To trust your goodness and to trust this new path of service in which you can help other veterans, in which you can help our whole world, you can help other civilians by taking and being able to transform what's so painful and difficult, to be able to transform that level of suffering into, into being able to be of service in a new way. That's been deeply moving and profound for me, and I see it over and over again. Agreed. Can you give um, some examples of mindfulness-based tools, some specific uh, examples that our listeners can implement? Sure. Um, and also, one of the elements that, that we do at Honoring the Path of the Warrior is it's not one element is teaching tools and I'll share some. And another is building community. Because I think that in the military, the sense of community is one of the most profound connections that people have and people give their lives for each other. And when people leave the military, they lose this incredible community. So to be able to have a sense of community and people who really are understanding and supporting each other is very important. Some of the practices that we do, uh, some are just very simple, that being able to start to focus on a posture that grounds you, that you can sit with attention, land in this posture, and be able to start cultivating a relationship to breathing and focusing on breath, which is a primal practice in meditation. To be able to, some people count, count, you know, you, up, seeing whether you can get up to 10, just focusing on your inhalation and your exhalation, saying one after one breath. Coming back again to the next inhalation and the next exhalation, saying two. And typically what happens is our thoughts come in, they start distracting us, different, different ideas come in, and when we notice them, just returning to breath. So that's one practice, is this practice of simply 
focusing on breathing and finding, uh, noticing how our mind distracts us and keep coming back. Another is just noticing what is actually happening in our own body right now, taking time to just ground where we are and to, to notice where there might be tightness or tension and to be able to, again, come to breath. And maybe even often, you know, we invite veterans to bring their own hands to the center of their chest, feel the connection with their feet on the ground, feel how they're sitting, but bring your own contact to yourself. And it's very calming to feel how your own hands, one hand on your chest, your other hand on top, being with breath, and just being with this simple contact. And this simple contact in itself is grounding. And it's also a practice of kindness. And being able to turn kindness towards ourself is uh, people, this, and you know, it may sound strange and sometimes the veterans, you know, will laugh and people will make fun of it, but it's actually a very deep practice. This simple contact and the simple approach of kindness. Being able to hold yourself with kindness. And mm. it may be bringing your hands to your chest. You may feel somewhere else where there's tightness. You may bring your hand to your belly. There's another practice that can also be very helpful, which is just in focusing on breathing. As you're breathing in, saying soft. As you're breathing out, saying belly. And being able to practice, is there softness possible in our belly? just with this simple intention, breathing in, soft, breathing out, back. And even bringing our hands right there to our bellies and feeling this movement of life that's happening right now, that's simplifying our own connection to this moment that can ground us so that when we get caught in a swirl of emotion or difficulty, we have something that grounds us and helps us come right back into this moment. Those are some examples. I'm happy to give more. Well, we are actually out of time. That just flew by. And I want to uh, let our listeners know to learn more about Honoring the Path, which offers programs in mindfulness, meditation, uh, community building, which also develops leadership and that, that uh, inspires a new path of service, being in nature, being physically engaged, lots of activities that really help heal from the inside out. Please, please visit honoringthepath.org. On Facebook, you can reach Honoring the Path at Honoring the Path. And on Twitter, the handle is also Honoring the Path. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being with us. I'm Elizabeth Lee Klinger Lesser. Thank you. I'm so sorry. Um, That's Lee Klinger Lesser and her co-founder, Chris Fortin, of Honoring the Path of the Warrior. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guests today, Richard Miller and Lee Lesser, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts available at iTunes. To learn more about Lisa's filmography, felicitation, and philanthropy, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Each week, Harvesting Happiness presents engaging trendsetters, exploring our world through science, art, medicine, media, music, philosophy, politics, and the human heart, whose perspectives on life are sure to inspire, provoke, and engage. Lisa's diverse guests are a proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Like Lisa says, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. 
Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following us on Twitter at hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Then join us again next week at this same time on the Toginet Radio Network.